0: Welcome to Good Christian People, an honest conversation between church leaders who recognize we're not perfect, we're barely good, but we want to be great. On today's episode, Tim hopes that we talk about hope, I make us all want to become vegans, and we begin a four-week series celebrating the season of Advent. everybody, welcome back to Good Christian People, the podcast.
1: Hey everybody. I
0: thought you were going to do it. Welcome, to, no.
1: That, no, that's it. That's, that's all it. I got. Alright, episode 15. That's my Jeff impression. Hey that, everybody.
0: Uh, you're going to have to get a couple octaves higher than that friend. That's true. Yeah, going to have to reverse puberty if you want to <clears> hit that. So, hey, I'm Jeff. That's Tim. Yeah. You can't see who I'm pointing to, but with us is Josie.
2: Mm-hmm. Quindici.
0: Fifteen. I like it. I, I like how we've done this. Now that we've added a microphone, you get to do the Latin.
1: I love how Joe, That's anytime fun. he talks, there's always like five seconds of complete silence before he yeah. says anything. He's yeah. very contemplative, I think. Yeah. Very. He's, what, what 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 would be the word here? He's very calculated. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, yeah, I'd say measure. it's more of I'm terrified of
2: like trying to fit into your dynamic. You oh, guys I see. Bounce off each other like rubber and glue.
1: Well, get out of my dynamic. Is that a real thing?
2: I just fall over and...
1: Get out of my dynamic. You you, you don't want to be in this dynamic. Does rubber really bounce off glue very well? I don't know. I I think we should have a science experiment. It'll be the first ever visual science experiment Mm. on an audio podcast. Yeah. And we can just tell people what (laughs) Oh, guys, look at this.
0: (laughs) Oh, you'll never believe it. Sure. That's crazy. Uh, You guys doing well today? not all right. Yeah. I'm not. So, okay... I, I I need to, like, so this is good Christian people. I'm. This is not my end of show confession. About how you're such a great dad? <sighs> how did you know? I didn't even tell you what this was about, and you <laughs> could figure it read out. Read
1: it. I can read it on <sighs> your face.
0: I was late to recording, and I just said... And you blamed
1: your daughter.
0: How did you know? I didn't did not tell you. No? Know? I, I did not give you any details. <laughs> I said I had a family issue, didn't I? I don't remember what I said, okay. but anyway... Yeah, I'm like I'm out of sorts because uh, bef- right before coming in here, uh, my daughter and I we had it out. Mm. We had it out,
1: mm. and uh, so did You take her into the backyard to pick a switch?
0: No, no, no.
1: no we don't do that. It's we just, just verbal.
0: We just yeah, completely just scream verbal. at each other. Yeah, yeah, no, that's, that's great. And she's twelve, so and I'm forty, so that that's yeah, the power balance is sure. I'm not great. Mm-hmm. So I'm all that to say. I'm sorry, Joy. As a pastor, well, as a dad, I should not have been as probably,
1: oh, I don't know what the word is. Let me just say, as a dad of a daughter, I've never screamed at my daughter. She's like 12 <laughs> minutes old.
0: <laughs> and you know what I was thinking? I was like, man, on the way in, I was like, Tim's going to give me a hard time about this for yelling yeah. at my daughter. but Girl dad. Pray to God that he comes back before, uh, before she hits adolescence.
1: That the Lord comes back. That the Lord comes back. Sure.
0: I mean, like there's all these things you want to do with your uh, with your daughters especially. Yeah. You want to walk them down the aisle. Uh, today I wanted to punt her out a window.
1: A buddy of mine who has uh, sons and daughters that are, you know, coming of age. They're mm-hmm. like between 16 and 20 basically, um, a couple of each. And he said that uh, it's, a, it's a totally different dynamic because as a father, he absolutely delights and has joy watching his sons mm-hmm. grow into men. But he said his two daughters, it absolutely terrifies him watching his girls grow into women. Yes. Yeah.
0: That is very hard. I'm not enjoying it at all. But anyway, all that to say uh, for in this podcast where we are acknowledging our flaws and we don't have everything together. uh, I was not a great dad today. I'm not pleased with it at all. Like there was a couple of times where I said something a little snarky and I was like. You don't have no snark. That was, that was pretty good. I was like, I was, you I was, thought was you pleased had with myself. You no, I mean, were... I did. I totally did. I mean, I mean, I took away her devices. She didn't take away mine. So, uh, <laughs> but it's <laughs> it really, you know, but still as a dad and as a pastor, you should probably not yell at your kid and well, yell you know, the things I yelled at my kid. Well, my so, son, I'm sorry, um, Joy. dad's not great today.
1: Yeah. Well, I would say as your pastor, Uh, Three Hail Marys to our fathers and you will be absolved of your sins, my son. Um, But I can't throw the football that far. (laughs) But um, I mean, uh, you know, I, I'm not looking forward to when my daughter turns 12. Let's just say, so
0: it is, it has been, and it was like overnight. Yeah. It went from, Oh, sweet little girl to monster. No, no, she's not a monster. She's not a monster at all. Uh, But she's, it's like teenage I don't I don't know what it is hormones they rage they do so I'm going to let you say that but it just yeah. it definitely uh it oh man you were 12 daughter.
1: once why don't you go and ask your father how it was
0: I was fine. Oh, you were fine. I yeah, was fine. Perfect. I, yeah, I mean, like, and we—it's just anyway—we're spending way too much time on this. So, what anyway. happened in
1: the news this week? Which, by the way, oh, no. talking about the news, mm. um, there's so I'm reminded of old YouTube videos that I used to watch back in the day. A guy named Ed Bassmaster. So like, yes, yeah, uh, he he used to have this bit where he would just run around with a camera, and he would yell at somebody like just walk around on the street and just put the camera in their face and say, "I'm putting you on the news." I'm putting you on the news. That was the bit. That was it. I'm putting you on the news. Six, six words and a mm-hmm. camera. And he would just he would just like stalk people. I'm putting you on the news. I'm putting you on the news. And it was some of the funniest little bit of just – it was just funny because people get so self-conscious. They're not doing anything but walking yeah. down the street or driving their car down the street. And all of a sudden it was like, well, you're not going to put me on the news. You're not going to do that. Anyway, <laughs> so what happened in the news?
0: So on the way in – So I'm already in a bad headspace from from having tension with my daughter in conflict. And then all of a sudden I get a notification saying Governor Hogan is having another press conference. And Mm -hmm. I'm like, I appreciate Governor Hogan. Mm -hmm. I believe he's doing good work. Mm -hmm. I believe he cares about Maryland. Mm -hmm. Um, I could I could do without him having a press conference every day.
1: The man loves the spotlight.
0: Well, he's running for president. Yeah. He's absolutely. running about four years, well about two and a half, three years early.
1: I tell you what, from today's tweet, I know one person who will not vote. Yeah. For, yeah <laughs> <okay>. He won't. <laughs> he will not get that vote.
0: Yeah. Um That would be yeah, that'd be interesting.
1: Anyway, uh, yeah. but but we're the conference is going on right now and basically nothing's changing, right? Nothing is changing for, for us,
0: although he basically it was saying um We are going to ramp up our enforcement. Police state. We are going to, you know, happy Thanksgiving, everybody.
1: Here Uh, come the National Guard.
0: Yep. Kicking down your door. So, I mean, yeah, I think he's doing a good job. It's funny. He is a Republican governor who probably will get more Democrat support than than, uh, Republican support.
1: Yeah, what was it? it was it um I can't remember. Where was it in the Gospels when Jesus said they may take our lives but they'll never take our freedom? That was
0: in uh Bravehearts <laughs> uh 17:11s. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> they may take our lives,
1: but they'll never take our freedom.
0: freedom. Yeah. And, and that was, then that's when they like Then they took it. Skirts, yeah. Then right? they took his freedom. Yeah. <laughs> yep. Yeah. Uh and so yeah, so that's that's going on. So we live in a police state. Happy Thanksgiving everybody. Uh, And then I thought this was really funny So AstraZeneca has come out So everybody is is like coming out with the vaccines now And AstraZeneca, well, Moderna came out last week And we talked about it They came out and said, you know Pfizer came out with one that was 90% effective Moderna came out and said We're 94.5% effective And then Pfizer immediately turned around and said We're 95% effective Like can't beat us And then AstraZeneca now has come out and said Well, we're 70% effective, but we're cheaper So it's like, "Eh, sure, great Hey, good. I'm, I'm good. Ninety-five percent. Let's do it, man. That's Looks an good. A in my book. That is an A. That is a that is a A plus. So
1: good give me the work. give me the vaccine. The good thing is, I've been told somebody told me that when you get the vaccine, it actually comes with a microchip, and you'll actually <laughs> you'll actually. T- I mean, I'm oh, like, bring man. on the microchip, man. I'll be we a little t- cyborg.
0: This just got edited for parlor. <laughs> like <laughs> Oh man, we're gonna be parlor famous yeah. here in a little bit. Absolutely. Anyway, that's good. Thanks, Bill Gates. Thank you. Yeah. And George Soros. You know that George Soros is like a big time uh I think you told me that.
1: Well, have I mentioned on this podcast yet that people some people think George Soros is literally paying me to preach what I preach? Yeah. That I've had that accusation yeah. before. Yeah. All I know is George I mean, I, I the guy has money, right? I've been told, right? Yeah. So if he's actually going to offer me some money, I'm gonna I'm gonna negotiate. Yeah that to the fullest right absolutely for sure. to I mean, the glory of god me driving up here in a jag be right. like well, what's up everybody <laughs>
0: <laughs> all right that's fun all right so right before we started too i saw like just on the news i was looking for something to talk about I'm putting had, you on the news have you watched the queen's gambit no. on netflix yeah i mean that's either.
1: about the girl that plays chess or something yeah or?
0: and she does drugs or something i don't oh. know i saw somebody i think one of our listeners uh matt had commented you know the whole point of the series is basically to say that you you know in order to enjoy chess you have to be mm-hmm. on drugs so mm-hmm. that was funny mm-hmm. uh but yeah it was it broke the record for like netflix's scripted limited series and really? i don't know anybody's watched it
1: really but broke the record for people the for of for a limited views?
0: series scripted limited series oh, for like netflix that's like one of those like little I, yeah. side I'm categories like, okay i guess sure. that's why but i so i came across an article last week
1: about chess Where's no. this going?
0: Nowhere. I no. just was like, I didn't know if you'd seen it. No, and, Josie, have you watched? Of course you haven't. I don't even know it. how
1: to play chess. I'm 39 years old, and I've never known how to play chess. Anyway. Really? I mean, yep.
0: it's, I, it, yeah. I know how to play it. I don't know how to play it well. Mm. I could beat a kid yeah. at it who doesn't know what they're doing. Checkmate. That's Check- the only thing mate. I know. Yep. Yeah. And uh, so there is... Oh, an article that I came across last week that I really wanted to bring up here. I did not include it on the show notes because I did not want you all to look it
1: up. But, mm-hmm. you
0: know, so my family, we this past week, we tried out that Hello Chef. Oh, I shouldn't give the name without a sponsorship. But right. um,
1: were you yelling at each other while you were making? No,
0: the- stop it. It was one little thing. <laughs> and and everybody's like, it's going to be a fun family thing. And like but, I made dinner, which is where was they good. send no, the really ingredients
1: and then you make it. Right. Right. Yeah.
0: Yeah. So there's another DIY meal kit out there. Hello Kitty. Not Hello Kitty. No. No. Um, I read about this in the New York Post. I don't know any way around it, but there is a meal kit that -hmm. has been proposed Mm -hmm. uh, that is out there called Ouroboros Steaks. Mm -hmm. Have you heard of this? No. Josie, have you heard of this? Do you know what Ouroboros is? No. It's the... Snake, it's the picture of the snake eating its tail basically mm-hmm. to indicate, you know, eternity and uh, okay. and, and continuing on and whatever. There is a group who has figured out how to take a swab from your cheek and you can make steak mm-hmm. from you. Mm-hmm. You can grow your own steak mm-hmm. and it would be you. So it's cannibalism is what it is. That's the thing. The makers have come out and said in their quote, it's not technically cannibalism. Mm -hmm. That's their, because, and, but their, their argument is, now that they're all trying to grow meat in a lab, like animal meat.
1: They need to fire their marketing department. (laughs) That's that's, that's their tagline. If that (laughs) is their slogan. steaks,
2: it's technically not cannibalism. (laughs)
1: cannibalism. That that marketing guy is never going to be able to find another (laughs) job, for sure.
2: I was like,
0: you've got to be kidding me.
1: They need to hire Neil Page. Neil Page from from my favorite movie. But anyway, go ahead. Planes, Trains, and Automobiles. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, Sorry.
0: And, um... So the whole idea is they're saying, well, you know, meat that is grown in the lab, like Mm -hmm. animal meat, they're saying you don't really know where it's coming from and is it really ethical. This way you can know where your meat is coming from. No thanks. That You take a swab and then it'll make little miniature in three months. It will make it'll grow into little miniature
1: steaks for you to eat Mm -hmm. yourself. No, let's move on. I'm losing my lunch already. That is.
2: So I have some like. (laughs) I have some practical questions about this. Okay. And Tim's pointing to his fictional watch. Mm-hmm. <laughs> he didn't decide to wear his fancy Apple watch that he got from George Soros today. <laughs> <clears throat> <clears throat> but it's not steak. No. Steak comes from a cow. I, right. Don't ask me how I know this, but like. Third grade I've, science. I have been told that human meat is most similar to pork. So it would be like a pork steak.
1: I've really lost my appetite now. It's like a
2: pork chop. You're not getting steaks. It should be Ouroboros pork chops. Yeah, Yeah. Human chops. I don't know.
1: You. It's what's for dinner.
0: (laughs) 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 Oh, that's I mean, like, I can't even believe like that was a thing was a headline. The headline everywhere. New York Post, Fox News, everything on online was just said it's technically not cannibalism, mm-hmm. which is to me, best slogan ever wild that you have to, there was for a while, there was an organization called, um, soylent.
1: Mm-hmm. Oh, it's still around. Yeah, yeah. yeah,
0: yeah. And it's like drinkable meals.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Well, and I'm like, that's the worst branding ever because soylent green is people. And so their whole thing, it like in the, in the story, in the movie, in the I think it was a book as well. Um, there was this food product called Soylent Green, and it Mm -hmm. was made of people. Mm -hmm. And so this company decided, let's do a drinkable meal, and we'll call it Soylent. And I'm like, that's the worst idea I've ever heard up until Ouroboros human pork chops.
1: I just hope we're going to talk about hope at some point in time today. We are. Okay.
0: We need to... uh, I want to do a quick little listener feedback and analytics. Um, I have enjoyed... Each week, hopping on and seeing who is listening and where. Uh, apparently, where? we have a, a, a friend, I'm excited, uh, our, our friend Anna from church came up, and, and I'm sorry, I'm going to get the name wrong. I don't remember if it's Christina or Christine, but Christina, Christine, if you're listening to us, apparently from Washington, Oh, we have 30 people who have listened in Washington. Walla, well, walla? I don't know if it's. 30 people or 30 listens, but she said she, she enjoys listening, but doesn't like listening week to week and prefers to do the whole binge thing. And I'm like, I totally get that. I totally get that. I would be disappointed listening to us too. But here's a thing that is surprising to me. Every week, it seems like Virginia and Iowa go back and forth in terms of who's going to be number two right now. Virginia is in the lead only by eight listeners However, we have 117 listeners in Iowa. And guess where all of them come from? Council Bluffs, baby. Council Bluffs, Iowa. Way to go. We that love is amazing. Council Bluffs. 117 all from this
1: You know what I think we should town. do post-COVID, we should travel up to Council Bluffs. I was Bluffs. thinking that, do yeah. a live, do yeah. a live thing.
0: But I looked it up. Uh, Council Bluffs, you're not the safest. In fact, it was like ninety-eight percent. It was like in the uh, like ninety-eight percent of the other cities and towns in Iowa are more safe than Council Bluffs. So dude, I don't know what's happening
1: there, dude. We live outside of Baltimore. Shut up! Shut up about being <laughs> safe in no, 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 Iowa. No, I just
0: I was like, what? What is the crime like in Council Bluffs, Iowa? Not
1: like Baltimore. Well, I
0: know that, but I'm like, like what is the preferred crime
1: do you feel safe when you drive downtown and go to a meal of some I sort never drive downtown
0: of course yeah no yeah. i
1: feel fine then you'll be good
0: oh no i'm not afraid i just think it's interesting that in a little town called council bluffs iowa mm-hmm. like why is the crime so high and what are they doing
1: well when we go into our live show we'll find out we'll find out yeah as we get we'll fly to omaha cross the river and be ready to roll
0: yeah does you look like you want to say something. Well, I was gonna say if
1: you're
2: if you're in Council Bluffs, you can just email us and tell us what your preferred crime is. <laughs> um, yeah,
0: and when you've done it, and your name and address, mm-hmm. and we promise we won't report you.
2: Also, why are there like a hundred listeners in a specific town? I, it feels I don't know. To me Like this is this is like a pastor told his congregation like found the podcast somehow and told What's his up, congregation pastor?
0: about. Hey, this. yeah. I mean, seriously, if you listen from Council Bluffs, Iowa, we are thoroughly like we're not making fun. We are very much interested. In who you are. Here's the thing. And we would love to hear
1: from you, yeah, please. Yeah, here's the thing. I just hope we're going to talk about hope today.
0: I know, you're going to say that. <laughs> that's You know, that's going to be at the top. We're hour
1: and a half in. On today's episode, Tim yeah. hopes that we talk about hope.
0: Yep. That's coming. You can just go ahead and copy and paste that. Uh, that's good. All right. So anyway, thanks for listening, everybody. No matter where you are, I do want to do a real quick thing. Uh, two things. I want to clarify something I sang on the last episode. So last episode Took me by the hand made that one. me a man. Yeah. So I went back and listened to it and it sounds like this is me being completely vain right now. Totally. Um, it sounds like I am off key. <laughs> oh, I went back and listened. That's the tune. Like if you go back and listen, it does sound like he is. Uh, that's coming up. It, it he does kind of have that made me a man. And so and that's the other thing. I want to apologize for not acknowledging something in the last episode. And that's this little button that Tim has. And I'm going to let Tim explain it.
1: Well, I got this for Christmas and uh, I'd, I'm a big fan of Seinfeld. And Frank's Frank Costanza has an episode where he just goes around sh- sh- shouting Serenity Now, because it's supposed to help calm him down. And the common question that comes back is, are you supposed to shout it? Anyway, so this is just like like one of those little easy buttons, and you press it. Serenity Yeah, so I just hope we're going to talk about hope today.
0: <laughs> now you make me want to drag it out. Oh. We are going to talk about hope today, because this is the episode airing after Thanksgiving, which means we are officially into...
1: Advent season
0: yeah welcome to christmas those of you who have um who have been waiting until after thanksgiving you purists who have said no we're not going to listen to christmas music we're not going to do anything festive until after thanksgiving well we are now into it yeah
1: and i think our plan is next week you're going to sing a couple christmas carols mm-hmm. and then the week after that you're going to apologize for being out of tune
2: oh <laughs> I just sorry
1: Sorry, I was a little bit pitchy, everybody. No, I wasn't pitchy. I was I was very
0: pleased with how it how it sounded. And then I went, "Oh man, there's some people going to be like, why Why does it sound that way?" That's exactly like look it up on YouTube. I went back and compared because I, I very much was like,
1: my wife who <laughs> studied vocal performance hates the word pitchy mm-hmm. uh, because it was invented by Randy whatever his Jackson. name is. Yeah, you know, on the American Idol, she's like pitchy is not a word. She hates pitchy. it. Anyway. But
0: it, it has become a word now. It is now. Yep. You know what doesn't is, is not really a word that has become a word, and it really irritates me. Irregardless.
1: Yeah, because it's not a word. at it's all. It's not a word. Regardless. Yeah. It's regardless, mm-hmm. and I just it really annoys me. There's uh, a, a there's a comedian that has a bit about that I've seen. The um he's the Latino guy, the Hispanic guy, big guy. Enrique. Enrique. Yeah. Whoever. I'm Iglesias. No. <laughs> anyway, <laughs> yeah, he has a really good about bit about irregardless. Yeah. yeah. I just hope that sometime we talk about hope. Hey, my man. (laughs) All right. So I think we have a majority in the room, two against one.
0: Are we going to talk about, so since we're into Christmas, are we in the Christmas mood to talk about Christmas movies or do we just want to jump
1: into it? It's the most wonderful time of the year. Let's take 30 seconds. Go.
0: Your favorite Christmas movies.
1: Favorite Christmas movies? Movies. Yeah. I mean, because I know it'd be- Christmas vacation. Okay. Yep. Christmas story. Get out. Yep. I hate that movie so much. Home Alone.
0: All right. Home Alone's great. Mm-hmm. I, li- I like Home Alone. Josie, how about you? Do you have a favorite Christmas movie? Is is isn't Korean? Um, <laughs> it's no. Like Super Mario's Go <laughs> to the North Pole.
2: <laughs> Too shy. Die Hard. Yes! Oh, you're my favorite. Home Alone 2, Lost in New York. Okay. Home Alone
1: 2 more than the first? Yes. Good for um, you.
2: Really? And then uh, Christmas with the Cranks, just because of family memories, not because it's a good with movie. with the Cranks. Christmas with the Cranks. Yeah, like, right. it, are you
1: that saying that you,
0: you saw it with your family? Or it reminds you of your family.
2: When I was a kid, we would watch it like every mm-hmm. year after Thanksgiving.
0: Okay. When we were growing up, we watched... Uh,
1: Home Alone 3. No,
0: no.
2: White
1: Christmas. <laughs> oh, yeah. Hate it. Yeah. I hate it because I was forced to watch Bing, it. Bing Crosby, Danny Kaye. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm.
0: Yep. Yeah, anyway. So mine, yeah, mine are... are it's like a, it i I'm in the Venn diagram three. in the middle of you. Uh, okay, Die Hard. Die Hard. Die Hard. That's, a, that's an every year... Uh, Christmas Vacation. Christmas Vacation. And Love Actually. Ah, get out of town. No,
1: so Love Actually I is can't famous. believe Elf did make it. Elf is like my number four. Elf so. is
0: good. Yeah. I would, Elf would be in my top five probably. Yeah. Where is uh, Ernest Saves Christmas for you?
1: You know what? I it's was... not Ernest Goes to Jail. No, no. But Ernest Saves Christmas is, uh, you know, it's an Ernest movie. So mm-hmm. I grew up watching it. And I, I yeah. have, it, it. it's a terrible movie, but it means something to me. And so I enjoy it. I'm hoping that my daughter, um, I, I, if I had had a boy, if I had had a son, or if I end up having a son, then he is going to be indoctrinated mm-hmm. with um, Ernest. But I'm not sure if my daughter will appreciate it. Oh, that's so sexist. We'll see.
0: Why can't Why can't your daughter enjoy? It's just Ernest. not a
1: very girly movie. It's just like a stupid, gross Ernest is a gross boy thing. Interesting. Yeah,
0: yeah, yeah, I would agree with that. No, Love Actually, uh, I really like... Again, that, not everything that we recommend here is uh, is something that you need to go and immediately watch, particularly with your family. I've officially never in. seen it. Really?
1: Never seen it. Oh, man, it's nope. really good. I don't know how to play chess. Never seen that movie. Lots of things. Love Actually is more important than chess. Okay.
0: No, I, it really is good. Like, it's so good that America tried to um, copy it by mm-hmm. doing all these holiday movies with this huge cast, mm-hmm. like Valentine's Day and mm-hmm. New Year's Eve and all oh, that's terrible. Mm-hmm. But... Um, Love Actually is just a bunch of little stories about different kinds of love, mm-hmm. but there is um, I my wife and I saw it together, and uh, one of my favorite one of our favorite stories about going to the theater is that we it was just it just was such a feel good movie, and and so we decided one when it was in the theater we were going to take both side both sets of our parents to go see it with us, mm-hmm. and there's like when you go see a movie like with your significant other or like with adults, you sometimes will forget foul material that you will immediately remember when you're with people that you don't want to be watching that with. Okay. And, uh, and there are some scenes in that movie that we had forgotten about a whole side story, uh, a whole story about, about two people. Um, I'm not going to go into detail, but uh, once we remembered that it was coming up, I went oh, and I just leaned over and I said, I'm going to go get something to drink. And my wife Plopped her hand on my leg and squeezed so hard because we were right in between both sets of parents. And said, don't you leave me here! And we had to endure this horror with our
1: folks in the room. So, in and other words, sad. it would also be a place that you would be embarrassed if Jesus had showed up while you were watching the movie. Man, yeah, what are you gonna do? What it? it?
0: Can we talk about hope now, please? <laughs> three for three. Here we go. Oh, so we're going to talk about hope. But before we get there, we need to really kind of get into um, Advent. Advent. So this week, this is this episode is going to drop on December first. So yeah, December first. This is the first day of Christmas. We are, uh, you know, Advent. I guess technically started yesterday. Uh, And so
1: that's not
0: an Advent song.
1: No. What is Advent,
0: by the way? Advent. We're going to talk about that. And so we're going we're gonna to give some attention to Advent uh, today. Um, it's the month leading up to Christmas. Mm-hmm. It's the season that we stop and reflect on what all of this whole thing is about. Okay. Now, I think, I think it's fair to say that in most years we give some attention to Advent. Okay. Uh, we do Advent calendars. Mm-hmm. We might light a candle in a mm-hmm. wreath, but we don't really commit to it. And so 2020, I feel like it's a perfect time to make this season about something else. Okay. This has been a difficult season. We, some of us are having to spend time away from family and friends. We have been slowed down. And, uh, and so I think we have actually through COVID, um, while it's been very difficult and, uh, and it's, and it's difficult for a lot of people, this can, we can look at it in some ways as a gift because it's causing us to slow down and experience something that we haven't really done maybe ever. And... This is kind of birthed out of what we're going through at our own church right now, where we are gearing into an Advent season. Tim, do you want to kind of explain what has happened at our church and, and where we are right now, how we got here?
1: Well, in terms of we're kind of putting on an Advent fast, if you will. Mm-hmm. So instead of all of the business that we've normally done as a church with big, high, big, you know, Heavy resource, people, and money events. Um, We're taking the opportunity in 2020, since we probably can't do those things anyway, Mm -hmm. um, to intentionally focus in on what we consider Advent to be a season of anticipation. Um, We are in between two comings of Christ, and so we we we're kind of in, in between these two moments um we kind of celebrate the ad uh, the the anticipation of the people for the first coming and his birth and we celebrate that but we're also looking forward to him coming and completing everything too and so we're kind of in between these two worlds and uh, we're going to take the month to kind of talk through how hope and peace and love and joy all fit into that from the pulpit and daily devotionals and concerts and all kinds of different stuff so it'll be yeah. fun
0: yeah, because normally for us, it has been a season where we have not had the opportunity to do that. No, and, Christmas
1: and, morning comes and we're like, Ugh.
0: Exactly. That's probably going to be my confession, if not something else. But, um, yeah, but, I mean, that's just the thing is that it, it every year when we go away to plan and to talk about what we're going to do for the next year, we tend to discuss the idea of Advent and then we never get around, like we always have reasons why, no, we can't really, we can't shut everything down because there are traditions, there are things that everybody's looking forward to, there are just things that we have to do during this season, and if we just intentionally, like as as pastors, it's your busiest season, like you don't cut way out and say, no, we're no longer going to do these things that have kind of been working for us, mm-hmm. and uh, and so every year we've pitched the idea of, is this the year that we just pull everything back? And every year we say no. And then this year, about midway through, we went.
1: We saw the cards that we have been dealt. <laughs> yep.
0: And we said, this, this is, is it. the year. And uh, and so it. what's kind of exciting uh, for me, and I'm, I'm guessing for you as well, is that most of our Christmas stuff is going to be done by the time this podcast airs. Mm-hmm. So minus a podcast and like a worship, one little worship event we're going to do. Most of Christmas is already in the can, and so now it gives an opportunity to
1: done, completed, recorded, ready to broadcast, (laughs) and ready to roll.
0: Yeah, I'm excited. Um, Normally during the Christmas season, I when I I mentioned that you know we kind of give a little bit of you know focus on Advent, but really not a lot. We tend to celebrate the big, the loud, the flashy aspects of Christmas, and that's all good. Like we're not we're not dumping on that at all uh do the things of Christmas, do the traditions, eat the cookies, buy the mm-hmm. tree, give lots of presents and and do good things to to good people. Um but I think so often we miss what Advent is supposed to be because we try to take the secular celebrations of Christmas and make those spiritual instead of allowing the those things to be over here and the Advent to be over here. And and the thing that I, I've noticed And this was, this hasn't been happening so much. I don't know if people just stopped caring or we just gotten used to it, but like when there were stores that would say happy holidays instead of Merry Christmas and people in the church would get really, how dare you, you're taking Christ out of Christmas. And I'm like, not really because the Christmas you're celebrating by like going to Black Friday and, and buying out all of these things, um, <laughs> that has nothing to do with Jesus. Yeah. And so it's, when you're
1: knocking down the greeter at Walmart right. and you're mad that he's saying Happy Holidays instead of Merry Christmas, stop knocking down the Walmart employees first. Yeah, yeah.
0: I, I had someone who was uh, a, a pastor who bragged one time, about getting up and somebody at the store said, you know, happy holidays. Mm-hmm. And he said, I looked at her and I said, Merry
3: Christmas.
0: And I'm like, okay, first off, store policy. So, I mean, you, you have to follow what your what your bosses are telling you to do. Secondly, what, what do you think you have accomplished by doing that?
1: He probably completely destroyed socialism at that point in time.
0: Probably. Yeah. Congratulations. We've reclaimed America for... Capitalism. Jesus. Yeah. Capital Jesus. We got it all back. Yeah. Uh so here's here's our recommendation is we would if you are so inclined celebrate both. Celebrate the secular side of Christmas, the the fun Rudolph Santa all of that. Go for it. Santa. Have fun. Uh but now also let's keep that separate and let's let's celebrate the spiritual side. Yeah. You
1: take don't waste a good crisis. Take 2020 and the time that has caused us and forced us to do things differently, to see things differently, a different perspective. It's forced us to slow down. And so maybe for the first time in a long time or for the first time in your life, let's have a let's take the opportunity because we can now to maybe just maybe have a spiritual Celebration of Christmas.
0: And if we can help in any way and do that, we would love to do that. Mm -hmm. Um, I came across an article that I thought was really profound. I kind of wanted to use this to launch us into our discussion of Advent. What's the article say, Jeff? The article says, well, it's by this Anglican priest lady, which Mm -hmm. I thought was interesting. Mm -hmm. Um, She wrote this article in 2016. And the article is called Practicing Advent in a Time of Turbulence. If I did not know that this was written in 2016 I would have absolutely believed It was written in 2020 She's a prophet She was basically talking about you know, We're coming out of a contentious election America is divided This is what's happening in our culture There's violence There's uh, there's racial tension There's this And then all of a sudden I went up and she started referencing Some of the things that were happening I'm like wait a second This isn't this year But it sure sounds like this year hmm. And she did it in a fantastic job I'll include it in the show notes And, and we're going to reference it A couple of times today uh, I pulled it off of Christianity today, but Tish Harrison Warren, she wrote this article just about how to experience Advent when things are just absolutely chaotic and really talked about the need to, well, I'll just pull this quote out that she said, Advent holds intention two complementary but seemingly paradoxical postures of faith, okay. repentance and rest. And those are things that I think do not normally are, are not normally observed. Hmm. In the Christmas season, okay, would you agree with that or would you disagree with that?
1: Rest and repentance. Rest and repentance. Yeah, rest because we d- run ourselves ragged. Repentance because no one likes to repent. I mean, I don't it's think no that's fun. a I don't think that's a Christmas season thing. I mean, no. repentance is different than confession, right? Yeah. So confession says I'm wrong. Repentance says I am wrong and I don't want to do that anymore. It's a 180 degree turn, and that is. Uh, that's the hallmark of the Christian. It's the hallmark of coming to know Christ and and being saved by his grace. But, uh, yeah, repentance (laughs) is not something that really any Christians are very good at. And we, if we're going to have
0: sorrow over our sin, Christmas is not typically the holiday that we observe that. Like we, you know, we get super somber on good Friday and feel real bad about the things we did all throughout the year. And then thank you, Jesus Easter's here. Um, and that's, I think that was the thing that really surprised me about this article. It's like, I totally get rest. Like when I think of Advent, you know, and, and we not being liturgical folk, Advent is not really something that we do. Um, well. And so this is kind of new territory for us. And so when I think Advent to me, I go rest and expectation Mm -hmm. that we're just kind of slowing down. We're calming down, but she included repentance. And I was like, that's really pretty strange. Um, because these ideas basically seem to be at odds. Like rest we can go, I I enjoy that feeling, I enjoy that concept. Repentance is yeah, not so much this hurts. Um and the way she described it was basically it's rest in the promise of the coming kingdom mm-hmm. and repent for not making it present right now. Okay. Which I thought was I see what very you're interesting. Saying.
1: Yeah, so it's that's more Oh, she's mainly to, she's taking more of a position of how we are um, bringing and ushering the kingdom in ourselves, not how we're waiting and anticipating for Jesus to usher the kingdom in in full, no. but how we are actively participating and bringing the kingdom in and repenting of how bad we are of that. Yeah. Okay.
0: And so Advent is not us, you know, we're not sitting here going, Oh, we're expecting Jesus to be born again. Like that's mm. Like that's happened. Like we're very aware of that. But we're using this season to go along and say the people of God waiting for the Messiah to come for them the way the people of Israel did, the people of God did. Mm -hmm. Um, And then here comes Jesus that we are in that mode again where we're going the world and the world for us politically similar to the way it was for Israel, the people of God at the time it's broken. Things are not going well. We are excited about the future, Mm -hmm. uh, where Jesus wins, the Messiah comes. And then here we are kind of walking through the similar sense of anticipation of God. I want, I want to come, I Mm -hmm. want you to come and and set everything right. But there's this idea that there is a role and responsibility that we have in making that happen. No, I
1: like that idea. I I think, uh, I think that's something that even I miss in Advent instead of just sitting and waiting so sitting anticipating way too often is sitting and waiting on our hands or mm-hmm. sitting on our hands right. while we wait. Uh, and I think to your point and to her point from that article is that we, there's a job to do while you anticipate. So I, I think yeah. that's a good thought. And what,
0: okay, yeah, we'll, yeah, well actually we're going to hit that coming up next. I'm really glad you said that. I pulled this quote out of the article. I mean, it's, it's a little long, I'm sorry for it, but this was just, this hit me so much. And I was like, this totally transforms my understanding of, of Advent. Mm -hmm. She says, we Christians not only grieve the sin and brokenness in the world, but in ourselves as well. I have to stop name and repent for the ways that I've contributed to this global lack of peace, even in my small ordinary sphere together as a church, we recognize and proclaim that we are not innocent observers of what is wrong with the world. We are implicated in its evil. It's violence, hatred and darkness breaks our hearts. And then with horror, We find violence, hatred, and darkness alive and well inside of us in our treatment of both our enemies and loved ones in our false worship and self-obsession. Merry Christmas, everybody. Like, that's... But that hit me. I was like, man, that's... Like, she's basically the original Good Christian Podcaster because what she's saying is we've got some stuff in us that Mm -hmm. we don't really recognize, and Christmas Advent is the time to go... Jesus didn't come back or didn't come to earth because we were great. Mm. And he just wanted to hang out with us and try our food, right? Like our human pork
1: chops. He came because we needed a savior. Yeah. He entered into our mess to rescue us from our mess. For and,
0: sure. And that's, that's tough to remember. Mm-hmm. That's tough to deal with. And so, yeah, I don't, I don't know how it, it, they're kind of at odds with each other to me to go, there is a sense of I need to reflect on my own sin and my own yeah. that I'm the reason that Jesus showed up. Like sure. I'm glad He did, but there's a reason, sure. and uh, and I am part of that reason. That all of us in the church are part of that reason, and and that's a a good opportunity to come back and say, mm-hmm. I I, 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 I can focus on that. For we a are the reason
1: that He gave His life. We are the reason that He suffered and died to a world that is lost. We give all we can give. To show them there's a reason to live. I don't know. Remember that song? No. Okay. Is, it, is it
0: Don Moen 1983? Probably. No, yeah. oh, it's going back. Yeah. yeah. Maranatha. Yeah, I can't. I'm I'm hearing it, but I don't. You know, you know, old school stuff, man. No,
1: I, it's drilled. Yeah. It's drilled into yeah. the brain.
0: And so, before we get into talking about um, the first week of Adv or the first theme of Advent. Um, I just wanted to throw this out there. Why do you think focusing on Advent, focusing on repentance, focusing on rest is so difficult during this season? Are there specific hindrances that you see in other people's lives, you see in your own life, that you say, man, I, I just typically don't gravitate towards that this season?
1: Yeah, and I think we talked about that. But my challenge would be stop it. Stop it! I mean, we, we we've acknowledged that all of the Christmases before us have been unnecessarily busy, mm-hmm. and we have crowded out things that are important to celebrate and to focus on and to contemplate prayerfully. And so, my my <laughs> uh, challenge is to stop it. Stop it! Don't waste a good crisis. It is here. God has given us room. He has created space. Mm-hmm. So use it. Jump into the space and contemplate Christian uh, Christmas and. The, the the true meaning of and what he is calling us all to in in the meantime so yeah are there w- what what makes it hard lots of things make it hard but i would suggest they're not there this year so, yeah so stop making it hard on yourself
0: yeah i would say the one i the one thing i think is is you know we can say obviously the busyness but i think there are traditions too that can hinder and i'm not thinking anything specific but egg just knuck. saying sure I yeah fruitcake yeah i love Eggnog is all right mm. I'm, I've come around I think as you get older You either lose taste buds Or something And you just go well, Fine Yeah But I, In 2020 I think there's such a need To feel normal mm-hmm. That to me I think Christmas That's why So many people Have already started celebrating Putting up lights They go I just want to feel like Something is a little bit Festive and normal And sure. this just kind of Pulls me out And the thing with the traditions Is that it just becomes something That you have to do And And I think all of us. I don't know. You know, every family member like kind of take stock of what are the things that you go during the Christmas season. I have to do this. Mm-hmm. Maybe you don't. Maybe you don't have to do it.
2: So I, <clears throat> I told this um, story, uh, at least personally. I don't know if it came up on the podcast at all. But um, for Halloween this year, my my roommates and I we built like an automated like step on the button and it opens up like a a little coffin that has like the candy bin bags. Right. So it was completely contact free. Um, and what i noticed is that there, like for lack of a better word there was almost like a literacy to halloween that like people don't realize until it's broken there's a a a, these traditions these things that have like just become so ground into us that they are necessary to feel normal um there were kids little kids that would come up and they had been taught go knock on the door say trick-or-treat get your bag of candy and that wasn't what we were doing at our household it was completely different and it like really set people off for a loop yeah and that's why i think for some people like trying to get this mm. this holiday back get this sensation is so important to them cuz it's like the it's a it's an anchor point it's a grounding yeah.
1: yeah halloween was weird so let's move on to christmas and hopefully it won't
0: yeah well won't even be... thanksgiving this year i mean y- you see so many people pushing back you know saying okay you can't go and have I thought it was really funny. I we can't have
1: less than ten people in our house. Yeah, sacrilege.
0: <sighs> well, or but I mean, for some people, they go, "This is a time where we come together as a family, and and to not be able to do that, or to feel like somebody's sure. going to call the cops if I get together with my family to have mm-hmm. a meal, like that feels not right. It feels real weird." Um, I was <laughs> I saw an article. <laughs> Last week that talked about here's how you can make Thanksgiving, you know, COVID Thanksgiving festive. Uh, Go on Zoom and showcase the foods that you have prepared to your family. Like, look at the turkey that I have made. (laughs) Look at all this delicious stuffing that you can't have. I'm like, that's so stupid. I mean, but if you're doing that. stupid,
1: but people love the Food Network.
0: Yeah. Well,
1: yeah. (laughs) People love the Food
0: Network. Yeah. All right. Good point. All right. So let's move into the the thing that we really need to talk about. I was really hoping we would get here. Because
1: the Advent season traditionally over the centuries has had four main categories or four Mm -hmm. main themes, right? Hope and love and joy and peace. Not necessarily in that order. Correct. But those four, uh, hope, peace, joy, love, hope, love, poor, you know, but we're doing a hope today. Yeah. So I hope we'll stick with that.
0: Hope typically goes first. Yeah. Where people get a little weird is, is it peace or joy or whatever? But love, typically the way that, that we have observed it is hope, peace, joy, and then love. Mm-hmm. Love is right around the time that Christ shows up. When you're doing the candles, um, that's the that's the fun little thing that you can do. And so we're going to talk about hope today and I'm going to show my hand a little bit not to not to downgrade the other other 3. Oh no. Hope is my favorite. Yeah. In terms of just terms and themes the in the Christian life, I just uh, hope is so amazing to me. Why?
1: Because when it comes to our understanding of the way we use the word hope mm-hmm. in our normal lives, the way I, I would suggest that the way Christians biblically use the word hope versus maybe the way it's just used in normal American secular language, I would suggest it's a different definition. So how? Absolutely. Okay. So why does hope mean so much to you? Obviously, tell me what's the difference for you and the difference in definitions.
0: So when we talk about hope, like I hope this thing happens in my life. I hope my kids do this. I hope that I get this Win the part. Powerball. Yeah, I hope that I win the power. Cross I my hope, fingers. Hope, 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 come on. I hope that this team wins the Super Bowl. You know, it, it is a a type of wish. It is a thing going, like, yeah. my I, I'm putting a lot of stock in this, really wanting this to happen and wishing for it to happen. Sure. And so kind of like the secular idea of it's hope. It's cheap. Yeah. It, it, it's it's not, a throw it's away. It's not
1: grounded. You just throw it away. I hope this will happen, whatever.
0: Yeah, it's, and basically it, it's interchangeable for wish. Okay. Like, I, I wish that this would happen, and mm-hmm. this is something that I really, really want. Mm-hmm. Um, so maybe it's not that cheap, but, I mean, it it, it is something that you go, it, it's not necessarily grounded in anything. Okay. Whereas the Christian hope, it's rooted in a reality of something that's already happened. Okay. And so it's not like, oh, man, I hope Jesus comes back. Mm-hmm. Like, we know that's happening. It's the confidence that we have to go, I have... I'm not going to say this correctly. I should probably have written down a definition for it.
1: but No, confidence in is a word, I think. Uh, I would define a biblical hope as a confident expectation. Yeah. It's more than a wish. I know it's going to happen. It's correct. It's yeah. an expectation. It's yeah. not a possible future. We believe it to be the future. We know it to be the future and yeah. we're confident in it. And so a, a biblical hope, um, which was more than, you know, hoping that, you know, I, the, the menu for dinner is going to be good or I hope I get home in time or yeah. you know, all these little cheap things. The biblical definition of hope and when we see it show up in the scripture, these are life changing moments of hope. Right. Yeah. Having a confident expectation is something that will change a lot li- A life. Uh, the, yeah. the worst place anybody could be. Is in a place where there is no hope, and we've yeah. heard people use that uh, if they're hopeless position. These are these are moments where if you have no hope, people have no will to live. Right, Ho- hope stitches together your will to live, yeah. and it's a necessity for life.
0: But the problem with hope is it hope can be bad. No, nah, that sounds wrong. I Oh, that's too hot of a take. But mm. hope hope can be. No, so I pulled out a quote. Let me find it because I thought it was really. I was. It is the Hindu proverb. Okay. It's a Hindu proverb that says there is no disease like hope. Okay. Okay. The idea is
1: the great Hindu people podcast now. Yeah. Hindi, the great Hindi people. No,
0: no. But I mean, you know, we can have other ideas. No. And I mean, I, I like what they're saying. Okay. It's not complete.
1: There is no, what what was it again? There is no disease. Disease like like hope. hope. So how is hope a disease?
0: So the idea that hope there's no guarantee of fulfillment Mm-hmm. Right. It's just they, they say it's a false friend, false hope, th- th- false hope. It makes yeah. us feel good. But then when it doesn't come to fruition, sure, then it leads us into like despair sure. and bitterness because we go, this didn't happen.
1: Well, and to that point, you and I and all of us have friends that uh, do not share our, be- our worldview, do not share our faith, don't share our understanding sure. of Christ and the way that the world works. And they would call uh, they would call our belief. A false hope sure. it's just something we're throwing out there and if our world comes crumbling down and all of a sudden we are enlightened to the fact uh, they might say that you know our worldview is wrong then what you're saying then all of a sudden it's a disease that we realize that you know we've put our place our hope in yeah. the wrong spot but I would also say to some of those people they're putting their hope in the fact that I'm wrong <laughs> yeah Sure, and that's a pretty rough place to be. Well,
0: and and I think it's how it manifests itself when you have that hope. So if if I if I hope, you know, secular hope, yeah. worldly hope, that I, I wish that this thing happened, it's not necessarily how I'm going to. It, it's not going to influence and inform how I live my life. Okay. It's going to be kind of a passive. I'm going to sit here and I really wish this thing happens, but it's not something where I'm going to say I'm going to move as if it is is happening Mm -hmm. whereas for the christian that's what's different is that you talked about it earlier that it's an expectation that is still moving that is still moving forward um the advent and the hope that comes with that it's expectation and action Mm -hmm. it's moving in a way that believes confidently that this is what's going to happen so it it is the reason we get up in the morning like when things are not going well it's like man you know what I know, I mean, now I get to quote something old. I know who holds the future, and life is worth the living. Just because he lives. Just because he lives. I yeah. love that song. Yeah,
1: I would also say hope is something that in the life of a Christian, at least in mine, so I'm, I'm sure there are people out there that are more spiritually strong than me that would say, Tim, you're crazy. I doubt it. I doubt it. But um, I think hope is something that I need to remind myself of. Uh, maybe I need to preach it to myself. Um, you know, because you have a bad day, you know something happens, and you you have to remind yourself and drill into yourself to hope. Um, I looked up this passage of scripture earlier today, uh, Psalm forty-two. The psalmist says, "Why are you cast down, O my soul? Why are you disquieted within me? Hope in God, for I shall again praise Him, my help and my God." And, and I think that that just one verse is a dichotomy that I have in my life too often, Mm -hmm. and I think other people do, where we have to ask ourselves, why are we so cast down? Why, soul, are you so quiet within me? And we have to literally preach and yell to ourselves, hope in God, hope Mm -hmm. in God, because there's more than what we see. As Paul says, we focus on what we don't see because that's what's eternal, but the temporary is going to constantly, constantly eat away at our soul. And I think there's too often we who are more than victorious as Christians, we find ourselves where our soul is cast down and we have to preach to ourselves. Yeah. Find hope, find hope, hope. find hope hope. there.
0: And, and Ephesians two goes on and talks about how we have no hope apart from Christ. Mm. Um, And that, that's what, I mean, it's not a wish. We know he has come. We know he's going to come again. He has proven what he's going to do, what he said he has done. um, Or we said he's going to do. And so as a Christian, then that informs how we live, Mm. that we're not sitting back and just waiting, you know, oh man, I I really hope life gets better. I really hope. No, it's, you know, it it kind of is the confidence in the midst of the mess. One of the things I came across this quote from Tim Keller, and he said, while other worldviews lead us to sit in the midst of life's joys for seeing the coming sorrows, Christianity empowers its people to sit in the midst of this world's sorrows, tasting the coming joy. Mm. And I think for us in 2020, that is so critical to be able to say we are in the midst of sorrow Yeah, we're in the midst of a difficult situation and yet it's not the end I yeah. mean hope is the reason we can say it's not the end you know love joy uh, peace are all sort of in the present Sure, right like I can experience these things hope is of what is to come mm-hmm. and that is a confidence that just goes oh man so no matter what has happened already yeah, it's not the end
1: yeah. Agreed. Um, that, that verse, the Psalm 42 five is what I quoted there and talks about, um, you know, the, the soul being downtrodden but hoping God, uh, it just interesting. I, I'll send it to you so you can put it in the show notes. Yeah. Um, in the 17th century, it was a guy named Richard Sibbes, S I B B E S. And, uh, he wrote an entire book on that one verse. Wow. He called it the soul's conflict with itself and uh it's you know it's free open source online so we'll give you the the uh cool the link there if anybody wants to read it yeah the soul's conflict with itself if people listen to podcasts they probably don't really read books
0: yeah, they listen don't know. to books I mean that's right
1: almost time. a 400 year old book so mm. it's not bad
0: well probably a lot has changed since then
1: 385 years yeah well you put it that way you know what hasn't changed? What is the world gets you down and Jesus picks you up? Mm. So that
0: that'd be one. a good song. Yeah, is that a song already? Did you just quote something from the seventies? No, I don't you know. But, Keith Green me. Uh,
1: he picks me up, he get down, he picks me up. Isn't that, get that a down,
0: He picks me up, I get down. Right. Well, he lifts me. Up. Yeah. Audio adrenaline. Audio adrenaline. Okay, gotcha. <laughs> See, yeah, there's All a right. song in there somewhere. There you go. All right. Um, before we move on, I came across this this uh, this article, uh, and I'll include it as well. Um, it was on Christianity Today. It's by a guy named Jay Kim. It's called Advent Hope is an Expectant Leap. Mm-hmm. And it's just this, again, this whole idea that we keep coming back to that hope does not mean that we sit still and we just wait for things to get better, but it empowers the Christian to live a life of confidence in the midst of brokenness. And he says this, this is what Christian hope looks like. It doesn't ignore fear, anxiety, and doubt. It confronts them. It holds steady clinging to peace in the midst of chaos. Through life's many treacherous storms, be they pandemics, political divisions, social unrest, or personal struggle, Christian hope is buoyed by something greater that has happened and something greater that is going to happen again.
1: Hmm.
0: We know Jesus has come. He is coming back. Cue the music. Not really. We still have a little oh, more to go. Gotcha. Yeah, all right. We're we're not done. But that would have been a really good I should have saved that quote for the end. I got another one at the end I think I want you to read. And the music will come in and it'll swell and everyone oh. will be crying at the end.
1: Okay. Very good. I'll definitely read whatever you want me to read. Yeah.
2: So I, I don't know a ton about this like traditions or anything really about advent. I don't, I don't know,
1: know how I much. I, made I it twenty-five I years you. into the church and
2: and have never really like paid attention to Advent, but um, <laughs> yeah. really,
0: you know what? But not not it's not your fault. The church hasn't either.
2: Yeah. All right. um, reading this Christianity Today article and just kind of like doing some quick googling while we were sitting here looking. Um, What's Google? Uh, it's a search engine. Oh, there you go. Um,
1: <laughs> I, I always search with Alta Vista.
2: <laughs> Ask Jeeves. What what stands out to me? Um, when we talk about hope is you guys are talking about a hope of of the future but what i read from this is that especially when you look at like the eastern orthodox tradition where it like it, it's it's a lot more like repentant and looking towards um yeah towards uh, what what has happened is advent to me seems to be a a time to remember hope fulfilled yeah. Um, as uh, the Christianity Today article says, um, something I really liked reading was, one perk of living in the Northern Hemisphere is that the natural seasons roughly track with the church calendar. The Lenten bleakness of March gives way to the rebirth of springtime, usually right around Easter. And Advent, the days darken, and then right around Christmas, the hours of light begin to lengthen again. Yeah. Um, I, I think Advent... To me, at least, uh, when we look at this like Eastern Orthodox tradition of like being a lot more re- repentant and kind of like sorrowful and sad. Mm. Um, it it helps us remember like where we were before Jesus. And then like that, the fact that that the hope we had that things would get better came at yeah. not at Christmas time, because we don't really know when Jesus was born, probably more like September. March or April or whatever. But okay. the fact that like that promise <laughs> from God did come. Yeah. And because of that, we can continue hoping.
0: Yeah. I love that. Yeah, I mean in, in, in particularly when you think about how it is literally the darkest right before Christmas. Mm-hmm. And uh and, and and yes, I understand there'd be some people who go, you know, Jesus wasn't born on December twenty fifth. I go, Yeah. But that's why the church chose it. Yeah. Yeah. And and we understand that there were some traditions that existed that the church might have uh, supplanted and said, you know, we're going to we're going to take those and we're going to redeem them. Baptize them. That's fine. Like, okay,
1: We baptized the winter or or equinox. We fixed it. It's ours now.
0: (laughs) It's ours We just took a flag and like planted on it. Like, it, it you know. With that
1: idea, that's one of the things. When my wife and I five years ago, we were walking around Rome, and um, you know, it, a bunch of all these places with great Roman temples that used to be to the Roman gods, this, that, and the other. And you know, they were built t- two thousand years ago for such and such Roman god, and now there's a church in it. You know, there's a Catholic Roman Catholic church yeah. in there, and it was, uh, you know, I think there's there's a little bit of Gaul. But there's also confidence to just walk into a place with a bunch of just secular gods and be like, it's ours now. Yeah, like we're just like you can take <laughs> you can take your false religion and we're going to baptize this place. Yeah, um, for Jesus. I mean, that's that's some of the things where I, people like argue with me about music, right? You know, you're a music guy, but you know how can. Uh, you know, rock and roll. How can it be used to glorify the Lord? It was, you know, it was built and it was made by secular people. This, that, yeah. and the other devil worshipers. I'm like, okay, but c- can we not take it and baptize it and use the use the sound to sure. glorify the Lord? Like we yeah. can. The, the church has done that for two thousand years. Right. We've taken good art uh, elsewhere or good ideas elsewhere, and we've said, ah, good idea. We're going to baptize it and use it to the glory of Jesus. Yeah. So
2: yeah. On that note, you can. Tim mentioned Rome. I I was in Rome earlier this year. Like um We get it, guys. To, I'll go to Rome. Yeah, go <laughs> to Rome. It's, <laughs> it's a beautiful city. Roma. You can to this day still attend maybe not on this day um cuz of COVID, but <laughs> you can still attend mass in the Pantheon, which yeah, is that's, like one of the oldest structures in Rome. and that's built. what I was that's what yeah. I'm referring to, is Pantheon,
1: yeah. Yeah. Um which is literally called the Pantheon, yeah, the Pantheon, and then that's where they have a church and mass, yeah, yeah, that's awesome. Yeah, to yeah. our to our singular God, we're meeting in the Pantheon. So anyway, that's amazing.
0: Uh, so before we dip out of here, I feel like we do probably need to address this idea of misplaced hope, hmm. because I think there are so many counterfeit ideas that we can think, I, you know, I am going to rest. I'm going to lock to this thing. As what will give my life meaning, And too often, this is where the idea of the you know, disease of hope, mm. where if you put your hope in something, when that doesn't come to fruition, man, does that yeah. really make you sour? Yeah. Uh, and so before we jump out and get into our confession time and great Christian people, I want to just kind of throw open where are the the dangers of misplaced hope? Where are some common areas? What are some specific areas? Where we see people putting hope, their hope in the wrong
1: things. I'm gonna rewind. I'm gonna hit rewind, and we'll bring it back to a political discussion in, in the election we just had. Uh, because I think, I think a few weeks ago we mentioned an article that Russell Moore had put out, uh, like in between, in between actually election day, and then the press, you know, calling it for mm-hmm. Biden. Uh, he put in there a story about him talking to a pastor prior to the election, and the pastor said, "I just hope it's not close like whoever wins, right. I just hope it's not close. this was not Russell Moore's this was him you know, recounting a story from another pastor and I get what that pastor was saying, I just hope it's not close because then we're gonna have what we have now, right um but Russell Moore went on in that article to say, in the midst of all of this being close and who's gonna you know and everybody placing their, Hope and a politician, a policy, a a, a party, a platform, all the things we've talked about in our outrage series. Um, I love how he ended his article and it was just one sentence. And it basically said uh, Jesus uh, will eventually be king of the like of, of the earth. Right. When he sets everything straight. And he said, you know, that vote won't even be close. Yeah. Um, basically, w- there are a lot of people four years ago, there were a lot of people who were downtrodden who had voted for Hillary. Right. Now, there's a lot of people downtrodden who voted for Donald Trump. And um, there's a people who just they hang their head because they've placed their hope in yeah. something that's temporary. And, and and we don't know if they're going to win. Like yeah. we went into Election Day. We didn't know who's going to win. We don't know if they're going to win. But the hope that we have as Christians is in the victor. (laughs) Yeah. Like, is already in the victor. Uh, This world will give you trouble, but take heart because I have already overcome the world. Right. Like, the one who hung on the cross and then resurrected, he's already overcome the world. He hasn't come back to set it all straight yet, but the decision's been made. Mm -hmm. The decision has been made. Satan's still out there roaring like, uh, you know, know, prowling around like a lion and, you know, like an idiot thinking he'll still win it at the end. Right. When you know he's read the book, right? right? I feel like he's read Revelation at some point in time. Anyway, um, we are with the victor, and any time we place our hope um, that is going to rise and fall our countenance in anything else, we're, we're going to be on shaky ground. Yeah.
0: And I think, yeah, I mean, you can still be upset about things that happen in this world. That's sure. not, we're not saying that at all. Mm-hmm. I mean, there, there is loss, there is grief. This world is broken and mm-hmm. we can lament that. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I, I think you're absolutely right. I think what we have seen in the last few weeks since the election. Of, the last of, four or five years. Yeah. Because of no, even four years ago. Right. Yeah. Absolutely. And, and, and but just most recently. Correct. Saying, you know, that, that there was so much hope. In in this that if this didn't happen, oh, man, we we're, we're, the world was just all going to go to hell. And now that thing for some people has happened. And it's just like I can't I can't even begin to grasp that. And so I need to kind of create narratives and, and all that. And so, yeah, yeah. You, you see that. I think, you know, the obvious answers, wealth, job. You know, people kind of say, if if I can just have this, then everything will be fine. The thing to me that that stands out so much, um, and our buddy Jeremy uh pointed this out in the on our Facebook wall um a couple weeks ago when we were talking about Jerry. Uh, kingdom, uh having a kingdom mindset, but it's uh family mm-hmm. and relationships because all of those are so good, right? Like they are gifts from God. And yet we can almost turn that into an idol saying i'm gonna i'm gonna be about this family and and i i've done that like i know i have um and so that that's a big one that i think we can put our hope in our family and ultimately for as much love as we have for them they will ultimately let us down yeah i mean i've told
1: people that from the pulpit right i don't know if you've heard remember me saying it but like don't follow me (laughs) <laughs> yeah. I, I i'm a flawed man standing up here do not follow me because it, i will break your heart it's yeah. uh, i don't know when uh, by the grace of god it, you know who knows but i think it's I, your love for christmas story yeah yeah I will, you, I will let you down i'll break your uh, you know i i'm a flawed individual um yeah. and it, unless we're following after the perfection of jesus we will constantly be let down yeah
2: i think family kind of ties into what i would say people have misplaced their hope in um especially as we're looking at the, the the Thanksgiving season for which us which is coming up for you guys which has already happened mm. where so many people are traveling home to be with their families are, are searching for a sense of normalcy yeah. I think so many people in this time this time this 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 moment are placing hope that are placing misplacing their hope in like a sense of normalcy once everything sure. gets back to normal everything will be okay and I, I, unfortunately it, it's not
1: right.
2: <laughs> like it, removing the pandemic from the year twenty twenty, this is a fairly normal year. Yeah. Like crazy stuff happens, wildfires happen, people get shot. um Like bad things happen regardless, mm-hmm. and for us to be in the midst of this hard time and to to want to go back to some time that was just a little bit better is it's misplaced hope.
1: Sure. Yeah. No, I I, I love that man. Yeah. That was that's part of what's coming up in my Christmas Eve message. Um, Is that when you look at twenty twenty and you look at all the upheaval and you look look at everything, aren't you glad this is not all there is? Mm. Right? Aren't you glad our nose isn't stuck in it? And um, you know, to your point uh, and and kind of what we talked on the outrage series, this is if nothing else, twenty twenty should be a gift to us as believers to pick our heads up and realize that we don't belong here. Yeah, this world is not our home. Hallelujah! Thank you because this world is a mess.
0: I cannot imagine not having hope. Yeah. I really can't. I mean, like it, it, it's so, it, it, it breaks my heart for people who don't, who, who this is all that there is.
1: Well, and uh, and it really does. So as a pastor who, uh, pre COVID would do a lot of funerals. Um, I've gotten to the point now where I've done some funerals for like, you know, friends of friends kind of thing. And now I'm kind of like their quasi family pastor. Anytime anybody in that family dies and sure. nobody goes to church. Nobody's a believer. Um, but I, Tim's the guy they call right and so I go because those are high opportunities to minister but every single one of those um, funerals I do when I know there ain't no church people in here the common thing that I say to them every single time is I don't know how you do it I just look them all right in the eye and say as a man of faith I don't know how you walk into a room like this stare the dead loved one uh, place him in the ground I don't know how you do it without the hope of something greater I just don't know I don't know And so
0: so church listeners, you know, the encouragement would be hold on to that hope, embrace it and celebrate it this season, but also get to work because it's not a hope that just says, well, I can ride out this storm. It's yes, I can ride out this storm, but try to pick up as many people along the way Mm -hmm. and share that hope because I you know, it is such a gift to know it. Uh, and to know that I didn't do anything—I mean, I did do something to make Jesus show up—and uh, it wasn't good, um, you know. And so for us, we need to be able to to use that hope and to say, in the midst of this difficult situation, in the midst of 2020, in the midst of whatever 2021, guys, 2021 might be worse. Yeah.
1: I mean, it, I mean, just. Right, we're all looking forward to twenty twenty one. Right, oh,
0: 2021. As soon as twenty twenty one happens, as soon as we get that vaccine, right. everything's going to be fixed. And
1: this might we be, don't know that this might be the honeymoon period. This
0: might be the best yet. Uh, and and the thing is,
1: is should it, we talk it, about tribulation and no, eschatology and all we'll that, do that no. next episode? Okay, right. we're already late. Yeah,
0: and so the recommend not the recommendation, but the, the the challenge for us as Christians is to say we can't just hunker down. Mm-hmm. Like we've got to get to work and let other people know about this hope. Mm-hmm. Lastly. Here's my recommendation, Tim, if you want to throw something in and this is going to, here's one way that I would recommend trying to reclaim and to realign your hope during this Advent season. And this may seem real counterintuitive to Christmas, uh, but it's to focus on the bad, like for a little bit, like think about where things are and, and to be mindful of the fact that this is not all that there is. Okay. And then be intentional about figuring out how you are going to, uh, observe that, how you're going to celebrate that, how you're going to focus on that. Because as we've talked about, we all want normalcy. That's good. We all want to honor our traditions. God has given us a new opportunity this year to change some things up. And, and so let's be intentional about really locking into Christ this Advent season. And he's the hope that we have. Do you got anything, any recommendation?
1: No, I just, as I said before, stop it. That's stop my it. recommendation. Stop acting like you're still busy.
0: Let's wrap this thing out here. Let's jump into confession. Do you got anything you want to confess?
1: Yeah, I this? I mean, just plainly, uh, you know, I spend my time in the pulpit. At the, You know, most people see me in the pulpit, and I spend time telling people to uh, remove the noise and focus in on the Lord, especially during the holiday season, and I just as much as them get wrapped up in it. Mm-hmm. And so... Uh, I'm confessing that like many, many a times when I'm preaching to myself, I, I sometimes walk away and I don't practice what I preach. And uh, this is an opportunity for me to also tell myself, stop it. Stop yeah. acting like you're so busy.
0: Well, I had a feeling you were going to do that. And so I had to come up with a second confession because that 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 is mine. Primarily, it's just that, th- that every single year I get to December 24th and I'm like, how did we get here? Mm-hmm. And I haven't like spent time just really anticipating it's just been so busy. Uh, so I, yeah, I can, I affirm that. Um, for me, I know with the state of the world, the way things are in, in, churches and everything, you know, for me, um, struggling a little bit right now in terms of, you know, concern for the future and what that looks like and, uh, having to continually remind myself, you know, this, God is in control. And that doesn't mean that I sit back and just write it out. Uh, but, you know, I have, I have a job to do and I've got a, a role to play in all this, but um, that's kind of where my head's at right now is, is I'm not super busy during the Christmas season now, which is a gift. Um, but I'm all up in my head now. And it's kind of causing me to not focus on that kind of, on that kind of stuff. You got a gr- great Christian people, great Christian person.
1: I don't. No. I do. So yeah.
0: here's what, here's what I'm going to do. This is cheating a little bit uh, my great Christian person is the female Anglican priest that we've already referenced today yeah the article that she dropped uh, I would recommend everyone read it. It really spoke to me i'm I'm found her this week started following her on Twitter uh she is I really like her perspectives on a lot of stuff and it just has been encouraging to me. It has been a a quiet voice that has been just Calling us back to the hope that we have Hmm. And so here's what I want to do I included in the show notes A quote from this article That really just got me And I thought this would be a great way To close it out uh, since you didn't take the time. You to, want my radio voice? I do. I want your radio voice since you didn't uh, decide to contribute today to your good question. <laughs> per- I'll let you borrow mine. No, I'm kidding. Uh, no, I, I did include this because I would am. like you to wrap this out. So this is our challenge. This is something to remember as we head out today. Yeah, this is a great
1: quote. What's her name, by the way?
0: Tish Harrison
1: Warren. All right. From Tish Harrison Warren. We live in a noisy culture where we often feel we have to scream just to be heard, where the din of social media outrage overpowers the call of our embodied communities, where it seems impossible to hear a still small voice. Advent bids us to quiet down, repent, and lean into longing. Redemption is sneaking into our corner of the universe, just as it was announced to some unsuspecting shepherds on the night of Christ's birth. Returning to Christ and resting in him isn't an escape from the darkness of the world. It's a proclamation that in the midst of darkness, there remains another way, the only way. Amen.
0: Guys, thank you so much for taking a listen to us today, for hanging out with us. If you haven't already done so, follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at Pod email us especially if you're from council bluffs iowa good at gmail.com please hit subscribe like us and uh if you wouldn't mind giving us a review uh tim will take you out to dinner next week we're going to continue experiencing a season of advent as we look at the peace that christ brings yep. so take some time this week to slow down focus on the hope we have and let's move forward towards this christmas with a new sense of expectation until then be good and hopeful
2: You've been listening to Good Christian People, the podcast. Today's episode was recorded on November 23rd, 2020 by Jeff Higgins and Tim Byer, two pastors living in beautiful Glenbury, Maryland. If you'd like to hear more of our content, please check us out online at goodchristianpod.com or by following us on Twitter at at GCPpod.
4: Jerry, how's work on the Ouroboros steak project, Cohen? You know very well how it's going, John. This project is impossible. You've ruined us. Whoa, whoa, what do you what do you mean? The, the contract is supposed to bring in Buku Bucks. It's a company
3: whose business model is based around selling people steaks made out of themselves, John! How are we supposed to sell that to people? Why did you think taking this contract was a good idea?
4: Their marketing executive was very passionate about the project, and the market research showed plenty of interest in their product.
3: Who did they question? A previously uncontacted tribe from the Amazon? A group of edgy teens who think they're vampires? Their marketing executive wears all black and keeps telling me how good I'd look, trussed up, with an apple betwixt my supple lips. How can you trust anything he said?
4: He's a bit of a character, but he's very capable. His
3: nickname for me is T-Bone. He asked me to start wearing parquet instead of cologne. How does this business model even work? Has anyone stopped to think about the ethical implications
4: of eating lab-grown human meat? It's one of those newfangled health food fads. It'll be all the rage. It'll
3: be all the rage after everyone ends up with mad cow or a prion disease. What about the practical implications? Why are we even calling it steak if it isn't even steak? Human meat isn't even comparable to beef. It's more like pork. We should be calling it Ouroboros Pork Chops.
4: Well, that would just be ridiculous. What's the difference? Hey, just calm down, okay? They've been very happy with your work so far. I'm sure whatever you have, they'll be excited about. Let's just go over what you've got so far. Do you have the list of slogans? (sighs) Here. Ouroboros steaks. Put the me in meat. Ouroboro steaks. You are what you eat. Jerry, are you even trying? Yes. You come up with one. Ouroboros steaks. Technically, it's not cannibalism. We were told we legally cannot say that after the last FTC fine. Oh, Okay, it's trickier than I thought, but why don't we just take a break for lunch and come back fresh? Okay, I'll give you a hand and we'll be ready for our presentation tomorrow.
2: Okay. Actually, that might work. Um, Ouroboros Steaks, give yourself a
4: hand for dinner. We'll we'll keep working on it. Oh, hey, I forgot to mention, there was a request for you to eat light today. They wanted to cut the fat for tomorrow's presentation. <laughs>